Lily Riddle Narcotics Emporium presents Lily and the Art of Being Sisyphus by the Carnivorous Muffin read by San Gabriel based on the works of J.K. Rowling Chapter 3 Reality A Strangely Persistent Illusion Lily wasn't quite sure what to make of her newfound situation. The hospital was surprisingly nice, far superior to all the haunts of Little Whinging, certainly the cupboard, which is where she had expected to wake up, so even if things hadn't gone exactly according to plan, they weren't altogether bad. Currently, Lily was lying in a white bed, flipping leisurely through channels on television, taking immense pleasure in a freedom she had been denied all her life. In the corner of the room, Aunt Petunia sat and watched her with wide eyes and wringing hands, flinching each time the channel changed. Aunt Petunia had just returned from a hushed discussion with the doctor, in which she had desperately attempted to avoid looking at Lily. Lily just kept flipping through the channels, looking for Bruce Lee and other kung fu adventures. It seemed that daytime television was lacking in this regard, but that didn't matter so much as the increasing drama in Aunt Petunia's reactions. She was remarkably flinchy today. Any and all, Aunt Petunia said hesitantly, though they couldn't recall Aunt Petunia ever having said her name before. The doctor said we can go home now. Aunt Petunia was showing a distressing range of emotions. Normally she kept the safe emotional capacity of a thimble, but today the emotions layered themselves in her eyes, and Lily couldn't quite tell what was going on in her aunt's head. Lily had always found others to be lacking in this regard, like cheap cardboard cutouts they portrayed a limited amount of ideas, until she had met her uncle Death, and later the mysterious man living in her brain. She had not met a person capable of displaying such a variety. It had seemed a dull but inarguable fact of life that humans were not in fact sentient, but merely programmed to believe they were by some outside party, possibly the same party whose lack of foresight was responsible for the occasional glitches in reality. People weren't really people, after all. This, Lily decided, must also be some glitch in the usual nature of reality caused by her lack of death that morning— She'd have to bring it up with the man lurking in her brain when she met him again. After all, he probably had some hand in it. He seemed rather nefarious in that rather frightening library of his. Lily was getting rather tired of this reality anyway. She didn't mind that it appeared to be breaking down. Between meeting Uncle Death, her apparent immortality, the man in her brain, and various other incidents that occurred recently, it looked as if the rules of the universe were beginning to fail. She had discussed her observations at length with death in the train station, but he hadn't seemed as convinced as her. It was her last visit. They were sitting in an abandoned café overlooking the platform, drinking tea, and glancing occasionally at the train that still waited for either or both of them to board. Death seemed more at ease with her presence this time, as if he had come to expect her visits. His motions were more fluid, and his expressions no longer hesitated before passing into another emotion. He sat in his usual black wardrobe. It had never changed in all the time she visited. Legs crossed at the ankles and leaning back at his chair, which was for him an incredibly relaxed pose. Glitches? He asked in response to her theories in a puzzled manner. Sometimes he didn't understand what she was saying right away, taking a certain amount of time to process her words before finally grasping the content. Whether this was because he hadn't spoken English in thousands of years or some other reason, she didn't know. Finally his eyes lit from within. The idea caught, and he smiled slightly. 
I suppose that is a good way to describe it, if you're unfamiliar. I never thought of it that way, but I can see where you're coming from. Oh, so you'd noticed it too, Lily said, setting down her tea. No one ever had before, but then again he was death, so of course he'd know all sorts of things about the plumbing of the universe. Well, yes, death said hauntingly in his awkward manner, which usually meant that the answer was not quite a simple yes or no, but needed clarification. Only they aren't glitches. No, Lily said, her brow furling as she tried to follow his words, but he interrupted her before she could follow up. I know that you are very intelligent, Lily, but you're only five. That is, you only have five years' worth of experience in this world. That isn't very long, no matter what you think of it right now. Things that seem strange or incomprehensible may be things that you just haven't encountered yet. Rules of the universe you hadn't thought of. Physics isn't set. Certainly not in the late 20th century, and to declare research now to be the end-all be-all would just be kind of silly. He paused as if to examine his thoughts for integrity. They must have seemed sound, because he continued, When I was young, I was introduced to the concept of magic, your glitches. Lily very much wanted to interrupt and comment that magic and glitches were essentially the same thing, unexpected phenomena that should not be possible according to the laws of the universe. However, death appeared to be on a roll, and he was taking her comments seriously, so she decided to let him continue. Everything that had seemed weird and freakish was suddenly explained, and more existed almost as long as the human race had. I just hadn't known it. I'm sure it's the same in your universe. There is a society of people aware of magic, and who use it quite regularly. Death finished smiling at her cheerfully, though they could only stare at him. Death was the smartest, best, most awesome person she had ever met. Sometimes, though, she remembered that he wasn't quite human, and thus couldn't be held accountable for the just plain wrong things he said. She took a large bite from one of the biscuits that Death had managed to scavenge, and she observed him. He looked nostalgic, as if he was only half of the moment with her, fading into the past to his childhood eons ago. Magic. It was a much softer word than glitch, friendlier and a little more familiar though it very much was the same thing as a glitch, by using that word it transformed. The Dursleys, for all their dullness, were very aware of the power of words. Certain words, seemingly innocuous, had to be stricken from the vocabulary. Magic was one of them. Perhaps everyone did know then, or at least thought they knew. Still, people thought they knew a lot of things, when really they only glimpsed them in a crooked mirror. Death saw the signs, but he existed outside of time, space, and the general universe. For him the world wasn't ending, but merely shifting slightly. Death had left his own universe for that dark, unnamed reason, so clearly he would live on when her own collapsed. Magic for him, supernatural phenomena for them, and glitches for her. Different words, same thing, and yet not. Huh. Maybe you're right, Lily said. After all, it wasn't quite a lie. And Petunia brought her inside with that same expression still on her face. They stood in the entryway staring at each other. It seemed as if Aunt Petunia was seeing something different, or rather looking for something different in her niece, trying to see past the stained yellow sweater that had once belonged to Dudley, the second-hand frayed shorts barely visible beneath the sweater's edge, the worn sneakers, all the things she and her husband had so desperately tried to make her. They didn't say anything, but then Lily rarely had anything to say to her relatives. 
She wasn't sure why she expected today to be different. That weird look on her aunt's face, maybe. She turned from her aunt with a sigh and made her way to the cupboard where she would wait until summoned, either for school or some menial chore. Aunt Petunia's voice stopped her in her tracks. Eleanor, wait. Did you... Lily turned around with a questioning glance. Only death and briefly the man in her head had ever talked to her like that, as if they actually expected an answer. It was odd, strangely elating, but unexpected. What on earth was she supposed to say? I do many things, Lily said finally with a slight smile. In fact, I think I only do things in the end. That's what verbs are for, all. This seemed to shake Ampetunia from her bizarre new state of mind. Her face tightened to its familiar stone-like expression. Out of her pocket she brought out a crinkled piece of paper. No! Did you do it on purpose, you little brat? It was the eulogy Lily had written herself, the red crayon accusing her even at a distance. Oh, that, well, Lily hadn't actually considered anyone finding it. She supposed if anyone would, it would be her aunt. Well, the fast and easy answer was yes. The only trouble was she wasn't quite sure what Apatunia was referring to. She had a good guess, the letter, but generally it was a good idea to be very specific with the Dursleys, as mistakes were always blamed on her, even when instructions had been vague. Do what on purpose? Lily asked for clarification. Her aunt shook her head. Never mind, girl. Get in the cupboard, and don't even think about leaving. And that was how Lily wound up back in the locked cupboard sans pills. Well, all in all, it had been a kind of interesting day. She still hadn't met up with Uncle Death yet, which was a major bummer, but locked in the cupboard without equipment, she couldn't really do anything about it. She supposed she could try hitting her head against the door, but that just sounded like it'd lead her back to the hospital again, and it didn't look like that was good for her aunt's sanity. Not that having control over a television for once in her life hadn't been fun, but all in all, it had been a rather unplanned experience. Well, it could have been worse, she supposed. Still, she'd rather have not been locked in the cupboard for the rest of the day. The trouble with the cupboard was that there wasn't much to do there. The three or four books she had managed to salvage from the attic had been read multiple times, and they were all pretty boring to begin with anyway. The crayons that she had stolen from Dudley were getting dull, and she was running low on paper. She had to be pretty conservative with it in case she was stuck in there for a really long time. Most of the time Lily spent her confinements in the cupboard thinking. The topic changed now and then, but she'd sit staring at walls while her mind went elsewhere. She closed her eyes and leaned back on her cot, breathing out all the exhaustion and disappointment the day had brought. Eventually she drifted off to sleep and found herself in a somewhat familiar setting. The library had changed in the few hours she left it alone. It was brighter for one thing, a little less sinister, but just as melodramatic. The men had moved from the chair to a window where outside the sun was just beginning to rise. He was paler than she had expected, but just as tall. He stood looking out the window with determination as if waiting for something, although what he was waiting for was unclear. He didn't turn to look at her, this seems to be his thing, as he hadn't said anything last time, either. It looked like she'd have to start up the conversation. So, madam, I bet, how's the weather? He turned to look at her slowly with a very odd expression, that same bafflement as before, perhaps combined with some fear, and frustration at the sheer lack of understanding. Eleanor, he said dully. Lily, actually, remember we had a whole conversation about that. 
She sighed and made her way through the library, inspecting the books. She suspected they weren't real as they didn't have any titles. She flipped through one and found it non-shockingly empty. The sinister library really was just sinister for show. How boring. Yes, we did, the man said quietly. There are a few things I'd like to ask you, Lily. Really? People rarely asked her anything. Well, I can't guarantee you like the answers, but go ahead, Mr. Vader, was it? Voldemort. Right. Ask away, Mr. Voldemort, Lily corrected with a benevolent hand gesture granting him permission to speak. He seemed a little put out by that, but merely sighed. Do you know who I am? Well, that was a bit of a weird question, considering they had gone through that whole song and dance of introducing themselves, or reintroducing, as he had put it. Maybe he had only certain topics of conversations he could bring up, or he was just at a loss. Either way, death was way better conversation. "'You're the man that lives in my brain, Mr. Voldemort,' Lily said with a sigh. Really, he was the one who had said it in the first place? "'No, that's not.' He cut himself off rather deliberately with a look of extreme irritation. He smoothed back his hair and began talking again. "'Before we can truly have a conversation—' There are some key facts you need to know about me, about your parents, and about you. Okie dokie, Lily said, making her way to the chair and settling herself into it with much gusto. She had the feeling this would be an epic of the ages. Regale me with tales of glorious battle. He stared at her for a moment before saying, Dear God, you're being serious. He looked slightly alarmed at that realization. As if he expected, no, demanded, she'd be anything but serious. Lily nodded at his realization. She was being quite serious. As far back as she could remember, Lily had never made jokes. Lily always meant what she said and tried to translate her thoughts into their most basic form. Communication was made to be efficient, to get ideas from point A to point B with as little interference as possible. Or at least that's how it had always seemed to Lily. It was so difficult to get people to understand her already. Why try to mess with their heads? It'd just make the conversation that much longer. The Dursleys certainly didn't tolerate any joking around. Generally, the longer the conversation went, the worse the results. Voldemort isn't a name that people speak lightly, he began. As he did so, his eyes seemed to darken as if a shadow had passed over them, and his voice became cold. That is a community of people who use magic that exists in this country. It is very old and very powerful. It is hidden from the rest of Great Britain through various means, and is likely to remain so for the foreseeable future. I existed in this community and sought to overthrow the government as the Dark Lord Voldemort, leader of the Pure Blood Movement, who aimed to remove the muggle stain from our country. Lily raised a hand. That's what they taught her to do in school when she had a question. Apparently it was a universal gesture that would get the idea across without flat-out interrupting. However, she was beginning to doubt if it really was as universal as her teacher had said, because Lord Voldemort, king of the purest of all blood, as if their blood was slightly more blood-like than everyone else's, steamrolled right on ahead. With a few loyal followers, the Death Eaters, in the course of a few years I had taken control of the country. Only a few rebels stood against us, while the rest of the population cowered in fear, or stood in quiet support. I was so very close. 
until the prophecy. This time Lily just straight up interrupted. The prophecy? That sounded like a truly exciting development. Oh, wait, let me guess. You killed your father and married your mother. His eyes narrowed, and in a dangerous voice he said, Don't ever interrupt me. Lily raised her hands in front of her face in defense. Okay, no interrupting ever, of it continue. He said nothing for a moment. The room appeared to get colder, and Lily wondered if she had accidentally baited a dragon, but he continued nonetheless. It was prophesied that a child of my enemies would defeat me. It was very specific on the who, but not on the how, and that I could not guess at their power. Long story short, I came to your house one night to slaughter your entire family, just so that I could kill you. Your parents fell easily, though they were supposed to be at the height of the resistance movement, and then there was only you, all alone, in your crib, staring up at me just as you are now. I killed you then, in a way that could not miss, could not be altered. You should have died, yet somehow you didn't, and here we are, four years later, in the bottom of your subconscious, me a wraith, and you a muggle-raised orphan, and I want to know why. Lily took in his story slowly, tearing it apart in her mind and looking at facets until finally she concluded, so basically, you're Wizard Lenin. Do you honestly have no sense of self-preservation? He asked coldly with a strange half-grin that had no happiness, only a deranged sort of madness. The library was shifting, contorting itself into some unknown shape. Even as the floor tilted and she was beginning to slide out of her chair, as the candlelight wavered and threatened to extinguish, as the dark crashed in of her head like a wave as she considered his question, and answered with a faint smile, "'Why should I have one? I'm very preservable, like a pickle.' The room stopped moving. The coldness drained from his features. He looked strangely tired. He leaned against the wall, his voice softer as he spoke. "'Ah, yes. I'd almost forgotten. You truly can't die.' can you? She didn't say anything, just looked at him. He seemed so sad in that moment, almost broken. It was funny how he only smiled when he was on the edge of being shattered. A chuckle escaped him, and then a cascade of laughter. He put his head in his hands even while laughing. She felt she should apologize. Every plan always went awry around her, but she figured he didn't want it. She was at a loss, really. The truth was that Lily didn't really get people as a general rule. Even Uncle Death was confusing sometimes. So here she was, listening to Wizard Lenin break into hysterics over his own rhetorical question. Well, she'd been more baffled in conversations. Talking to other children was notoriously difficult. But it was a bit strange. I, I guess not, she finally answered. I mean, I've not died a couple times, but I guess that's not really conclusive, you know. It's not like I've been trying really hard to kill myself. His laughter died down somewhat, and that somber look returned as he regarded her. The glitch that had destroyed his kingdom in a single blow. Lily, I would like to hear about your life, no matter if you consider it ordinary or unimportant. I want to hear it. Okie dokie then. 
they said, and then launched into her general observations of reality. It apparently took longer than Wizard Lennon had been expecting, because he relocated to one of the chairs to sit down with a strangely blank look on his face. She told him about the Dursleys, about her status as an indentured servant, her dead parents, although she left the car crash bit out since he seems to be a bit sensitive about it, and the social experiments at school, crazy Mrs. Fig and her herd of cats, death in the train station, and the glitches in reality. I would like to meet this uncle of yours. Wizard Lennon stated when she had finished. Next time you visit him, you will take me with you. Lily blinked, surprised, and nodded slightly. I can try, but you know, it might not work. He gave her a cockeyed fox's smile, one filled with hidden daggers for teeth. Don't worry about that. I think I've figured out how to follow you there. Just don't be surprised when I show up. She smiled back at him. She didn't know how she knew, but she had a feeling that she and Wizard Lennon were going to be great friends. Maybe it was the whole living-in-her-brain thing, but she just felt she knew him, and that, more importantly, he knew her as well. Lily, there's one more thing. The Dursleys. You say your aunt found you in the cupboard. Well, she was the one who was there at the hospital, so I think so. I'd be careful around them. Careful? He regarded her carefully himself. Finally, he said, When I was young, troubled individuals were not so much helped as they were dealt with. Should the Dursleys find you too unstable, they may place you somewhere else, somewhere much worse than a cupboard. She wasn't quite sure what he meant, but he didn't explain. Instead, he waved her off. I have nothing more to talk with you about. You may leave. What an insulting thing to say, considering it was her brain he was in in the first place. Still, she really didn't have anything else to say to him either, since she had just given him the whole life story. With a sigh, she stood up and slunk her way out of the library and into her normal conscious state, where the cupboard waited. Careful of the Dursleys. What a strange thought. She'd never considered them enough to even think of acting a certain way around them. She was just their servants anyway, and how she acted or thought in her own time was none of their business. Still, Petunia had been acting weird since the trip to the hospital, so maybe Wizard Lennon's advice wasn't unwarranted. She crept closer to the door of the cupboard. Sometimes when Uncle Vernon had just been given a report of her behavior, he spoke very loudly, loud enough so that Lily could hear every word he said, even when locked in the cupboard. Not always, of course. Most of the cupboard was a kingdom unto itself. She couldn't hear anything. She frowned. Death had called it magic, had said there was a society of people who used it at will. Wizard Lennon had also said there was a community of magic, one that he had belonged to until he had attempted vehicular homicide. The laws of the universe were failing, but maybe the ability to use magic was part of that, as if it was a glitch all by itself. If magic was itself a glitch, then it should be able to do anything, really. Certainly it had let her listen in on her relatives. She concentrated hard, closing her eyes and just thinking of the idea of listening, of hearing far-off words and focusing on their sound. At first there was nothing, just her own breathing and heartbeat, and then the words began to trickle in. I swear, Van, in this note, it couldn't have been an accident. Girls only five, pet must have been. No, Van, in this was planned. If I hadn't opened that cupboard in time.
Then we beat the idea out of her. Rid her of this nonsense, just like we did that other freakishness. No, Vernon. What if she tries again? What if she tries at school? There was a slight pause, and then a worried flurry of words. They'll come back, Vernon. They'll come back and do something horrible to us. Oh, where's the school? What if they come to investigate? Everyone knows the little delinquent. She's suicidal. A five-year-old planning suicide, Vernon. Now, now you're right. It must have been an accident. No child, especially not her, isn't smart enough for that. Again a pause, as if weighing the words, and while they both seemed to be in agreement, the silence was uneasy and frayed with tension. They heard her still breath seeping out of her, in and out, a slight wave as words weren't spoken. Right, we'll get her out, but nothing too much. We don't want the neighbors thinking things. The words were spat out forced into the silence where they lingered like a broken bird. Lily frowned, wanting to think on those words, on things implied, but footsteps were quickly booming toward her. Lily lost her concentration and backed away from the door. The door was wrenched open, light from the house pouring in, causing her to clutch at her eyes and cry out, even as Uncle Vernon's commands were spoken, "'You, girl, get out!' Before she could move, a great hand pulled at her sweater, and threw her out onto the hardwood floor of the entryway. She looked up to see her looming relatives, Vernon in front and Petunia to the side. Careful of these cardboard cutouts, set so menacingly against the skyline he must have been mistaken. He couldn't see how well it suited the Dursleys. Thought you could sneak into the medicine cabinet, did you? Of course, but the answer he expected was no. She shook her head and said, No, sir. However, the question, in spite of requiring an answer, was also rhetorical in that it didn't matter what she answered. The lecture were gone regardless of the words she uttered, but still it seemed best to play along in these things. As predicted, Uncle Vernon's steam rolled ahead. No child in this house is going to be sneaking pills like a junkie, like your no-good dead parents! She'd always been told that her father was an alcoholic, but Uncle Vernon was never really clear on the details— so apparently booze could be replaced with drugs without any real mishap. Although she'd never heard of a sleeping medication junkie, though. But then again, she usually didn't get into discussions about narcotics or alcohol with anyone, so what did she know? In the meantime, Uncle Vernon was still talking and growing more purple by the minute as he continued to rage and stare down at her. You were disgraced in this household, you little freak! Never should have taken you in, always knew you'd end up just like them. It's genetics, I tell you, Petunia, runs in the family. And Petunia, for her part, was still acting a little odd, looking at her not with her usual tight-lipped affronted anger, but instead with nervousness and perhaps a trace of fear. It wasn't directly of Lily herself, of course not. Lily was a little girl, nothing to be terrified of, but something about the situation, something in between the red raging of Uncle Vernon and her own reaction to this well-worn scene, caused that slight widening of the eyes and the shaking of the hands. Whatever it was, though, Uncle Vernon couldn't see it, and ended his rant with a shaking sausage finger in her face. You want to live on the streets like a rat? You want to be stuffed in an orphanage where they never feed you? We offer you everything, more than you deserve, and this is how you pay us back! Before she could say a word, she was shoved back into the cupboard, 
hitting the floor with a hard thunk. Back in the cupboard. See how you lock it in there for a week. She turned back for one final glimpse of her menacing relatives, their faces concealed by the quickly closing door, and soon enough, everything was dark again. Lily stared at the door, knowing, though she did not quite know how, that it would not open again for some time. Careful, Wizard Lennon had said with a sober expression. Careful. In the back of her mind, she could feel him even now, lurking and looking upwards to where her own consciousness drifted, a wordless trapped presence who only let a single word echo upwards. Careful, Lily. For the full text of this and other stories by the same author, visit the AO3 page of The Carnivorous Muffin. Intro music licensed from Pond 5. If you would like to commission me to record a story, voiceover, or character, please get in touch using the contact information on my website, which is located at samgabrielvo.com. And there you can find other stories that I've read, as well as links to my Patreon page, to which I hope you consider subscribing to support me, and my Discord server, where I record things live for your enjoyment. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.